Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From the French Press in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Maida, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business, Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. In Acadiana, business is a tradition, and tradition is a business, often the family business. There's a long heritage of musical families around here. There are dynasties of fiddlers and accordion players handing down the tools and tricks of the family trade generation after generation. It's one of our greatest exports. Lafayette practically pumps out ranks of acclaimed Zydeco and Cajun musicians, and most of them are carrying on something they learned from their parents and their parents' parents. Throw a rock in any direction, you'll probably hit a Grammy nominee. Throw another, you might hit her mom. My guests today are both internationally celebrated musicians from famous Cajun families. Virginia-born Anne Savoie married into the Savoie family of Eunice and has toured internationally with her band, the Magnolia Sisters, which explores the feminine side of the Cajun tradition. They're not actually her sisters. Anne is a writer and will soon publish the second volume of her archival work, Cajun Music, A Reflection of a People. Anne, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks a lot. Great to be here. My next guest, Louis Michaud, grew up in a big, sprawling Cajun music family. Uh, since 1999, he's toured internationally with Lost Bayou Ramblers, a band he started with his brother Andre 20 years ago. Lost Bayou won a Grammy for their 2017 record, Kalinda, and recently Louis launched Nouveau Electric Records, a label that puts out experimental artists rooted in Louisiana French musical traditions. Uh, Louis, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks, Christian. So, Anne, you're not just known for touring with the Magnolia Sisters. You've also done this a lot with your family band, the Savoie family band. And so I was thinking a lot about what it must be like to tour with your family, like watch your kids grow up that way. I mean, what was that like? Well, it's pretty funny because they all uh, were tending toward playing our musical instruments that were scattered all over the house and would say, don't you dare touch that. And so they all, would, you know, when we weren't around, they'd grab the instruments and start playing them secretly, you know. So we waited for them to grow up, and then we just it became a band. We played with Michael Doucet, though, first for a long time in the Savoie Doucet Cajun Band. That's our, we toured all over with him. And so um, the family band, it's just been amazing. You look around, we all know the same songs. You've got the same inner knowledge of each other, right? right. And you look around, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible seeing your kids become better musicians than you are <laughs> right in front of your face. It's yeah. like, darn. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It's really, really fun. They're all very moody Cajuns, though, I must say. I'm the, I'm the only uh, easy-to-get-along-with person in the band. <laughs> Is that a thing, to be like a moody Cajun? I mean, I, I grew it's up around... Thing. It's a thing. In fact, we used to call the Savoie Doucet band the moody Cajun band, because uh, <laughs> it was me with them. Yeah. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> so, so who all's in the band, actually? I mean, like I, so I know your two, two of your sons, Joel and Wilson, and then Mark, your husband. Is that and you? Is that the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, it's or? Joel and Wilson Savoie, Mark and Anne Savoie, and sometimes our daughter, Sarah Savoie, and sometimes okay. even Gabrielle, our youngest daughter. Okay. Play, she's done a couple of tours with okay. us, not much, playing guitar. Yeah, so it's all Savoies, definitely. Yeah. Um, so you move here from Virginia, mm-hmm. right? And I, as you said, like you, you encounter a bunch of moody Cajuns. You marry into a family of moody Cajuns. I mean, what was that transition for you like? And how did you, you know, come to really get engaged in the area? 
Well, I came here as a complete French fanatic because I was a French major and I've lived in Paris and things, and I just adored the way the people here spoke French. And the music really destroyed my heart the minute I heard it. I just fell in love with it. I met, I think it was the Balfas and Mark Savoy and all were up at uh, Wolf Trap. And I met him and I just was blown away. And I couldn't do anything but come here. I thought, here's the French culture. Here's this amazing music. And the place is pretty cool, too. I mean, the place is not, I mean, it... When I first saw Louisiana, I didn't understand its beauty particularly. I thought, this is a, I didn't get it. But it's all now madly in love with the way it looks. It's so, you know, this flatness and this kind of lushness of it. And so, I don't know, I just got, I'm a smitten convert to this place. For 40 some years, actually, I've been here longer than Virginia already. Wow. Uh, Louis, I'd love to start with the label. Um, so there's a bit of a, like a contradiction, it seems to me, in terms, right? You call it um, a label that puts out something that's rooted in tradition, but it's experimental. How does that work? Well, there's so much music being made around Acadiana, and, you know, some of it does fit into the traditional realm, and some of it could, and some of it doesn't. And I guess it maybe comes from what, you know, my own musical path has taken me where it's, you know, I was both at once, like as a teenager, playing in a, fam- a traditional family band and playing like in experimental groups. And then uh, I never meant to be a professional musician, by the way. But uh, <laughs> What did you mean to be? I don't know. <laughs> a doctor. Actually, I wanted to be, I wanted to, yeah, a doctor. Yeah. I wanted to be like, a, I wanted to try and grow food, you know, like be like an organic farm or something, but I'm not very good at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's probably hard to make money with that. And uh, I just was playing music on the streets and stuff all over the place and making money and supporting myself. And then it just turned into touring and it just, you know, kept growing. But, but uh, you know, after, after becoming, and I was playing, like, I had both kind of music going on at the same time. But, uh, you know, Lost by Ramblers became the main thing pretty quick. And then, um, and then as... You know, as time go on, we became more experimental as a band. And, you know, of course, people ask the, the question, well, you know, are you all still traditional? Yeah, we're still traditional. We play Cajun French music. We have a triangle and a accordion and a fiddle, and it's in French. It's Cajun music. But is it, uh, you know, does the experimentalness alter its tradition, traditionality or whatever? And, uh, you know, my thing is that Cajun musicians and all musicians of all regards have always been experimental. And it's in being experimental that you find new sounds and that new crazes are created. I mean, you can't just like, you don't just have one music that just glides throughout history. It's like, who does something new and next? And that's where new trends come from and such. And uh, so with Nouveau Electric, it's really to kind of more give a voice to these more extreme artists and creations that are happening that don't even have a chance of fitting in the tradition part because, you know, and, it, and it's about both. There's so much good traditional music that still needs to be recorded. There's so much music that is hard to translate from the stage to a recording. So that's one of my goals is to try to, to, try to do that uh, with certain very traditional artists. But then at the same time, there's a uh, there's so much being music made, so much music being made that doesn't have a voice or a platform because it doesn't fit into any one mold or genre, and so just trying to uh, just trying to give a 
a voice to different types of music and a lot of my own stuff that I've worked on over the years that uh, that I want to put out. So, I mean, and I know that, you know, obviously working within the family tradition, right, has been a thing for you, but you've, you've played around in a lot of different styles. I mean, you um, Sleepless Nights is kind of more jazz standards kind of things, right? Yeah. Um, I know you, you did some recordings like Linda Ronstadt. Right? Yeah, we made a duet record. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, h- how have you found, um, you know, marketing yourself as a musician, you know, kind of one foot in the traditional camp and, you know, maybe one foot outside of it? I mean, do you find that that's a difficult thing to do or, or that people generally just get, here's Anne Savoy, I know what she's about? I think they, they know that I'm a lot, all of these people because yeah. I've kind of made that clear in my life. I'm many people and many voices. I'm even making a new solo record about that. It's a little bit of everything there is, you know, that I like to do. Music is something that's, I don't know, it just fascinates me, every genre of it, you know. And so I just want to put my voice to it and say, this is the way I hear this song and find great songs and expose people to them. And um, I don't really have anybody telling me a limit. You can only play traditional Cajun music or anything, you know. I've always just been a person who did whatever I wanted, kind of. Luckily, I've had that, been able to do that, you know. T- I, I got to ask more about the recordings you did with Linda Ronstadt because it's like kind of have a crush on her. I'm sure I, I do. Saying, only, uh, you. <laughs> only you. Only you. Only me. I mean, what was what was what was that? Like, tell us more about that recording, like the project and what it was. Um, it sort of started with this project I did called Evangeline Made, which was rock stars playing with traditional Cajun artists. Yeah. And so I, thought, I tried to find every rock star I personally knew, which I didn't know that many people. You know, the Richard Thompson and I don't know Linda and different. And they all said, yeah, we'd love to do it. Because when we travel, I'm sure, Louie, you find that too, that you meet all kinds of rock stars and they love Cajun music and, you know, they want to they wanna do it. And so I had a lot of people. Keith, Keith Richards actually was going to do it. And I, went, I, I won't go into all that, but <laughs> that's another story. But um, so Lin, Linda Ronstadt, uh, we liked our cuts a lot. We got a lot of good reviews for the cuts on Evangeline Made. So... A record producer asked us if we wanted to make a record for Vanguard. I was working for Vanguard as a record producer at that mm, time. Okay. And I liked our cuts. So Linda wanted to do it. And all I do when I go to her house is would hang out and sing. I mean, we sing all the time. I visit her a lot in Arizona and in San Francisco. And we just hang out around her fire and sing and play guitars. And uh, we both love all the same music. And it was incredible. You find a vocalist like that to sing with once in a millennium. <laughs> I mean, you know. That was so sad when she couldn't sing anymore. We were working on our second record, actually. And that's why I did a solo record, because we developed a lot of material. And I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and make a record. Rhiannon Giddens sings on a couple yeah. of the songs. But um, it's really that same kind of thing as the Linda Ronset record. But she's an amazing person. She's a wild woman. She's hilarious. She's, we have the same artistic visions. And we go to museums and like to eat good food and... What else can I say? She tells great stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened with Keith? With Keith, okay. Well, this is pretty pitiful. They would not buy him a first-class ticket oh, to come for the no. session. Oh, no. Dang it. I was like, <laughs> what? Anyway, so that's what happened. He was all ready. We had it all set up. It was all. Was and say, uh, uh, Vanguard was like, oh, no, we're not buying first-class tickets. I, I was just surprising because you would just it. think that Keith, Keith, I mean, I get it, but I'm also sort of like, you guys, he's got so much money. He could buy a first-class ticket if it meant that much to him. I was going to say, I thought it was maybe Peter Tosh had taken over his private island and he was too busy trying to get them all. <laughs> could, could have been. Uh, yeah. yeah. He'd, he'd recorded with Michael Doucet on something. I can't remember. And he loved Michael. So I was going to get Michael and Keith to do a, a, a Creole song. I thought that would be amazing, a Can Ray song. And it was all set. And 
I'm the ticket blew it. <laughs> really? I never go anywhere but first class. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done it myself. That's, That's right. a joke, by the way. Oh. <laughs> if you're traditional music, does not buy you first class plane tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Louis, is that what you've found? Not that, that traditional music doesn't buy you first class tickets, but that, you know, rock stars love Cajun music? I mean, has this been a, an entry to the glitzy life for you? I mean, it, it happens. I mean, there's, uh, I think, you know, I think any artist that's really putting themselves into their music and people see it and they get it, well, you know, it, it kind of leads them to want to know more about it or uh, share their experience with it. And like, well, like we've been playing with Spider Stacy from the Pogues a lot lately. And he mentioned that, you know, he and Joe Strummer of The Clash were the lead singers for the Pogues for while Shane McGowan was out with the Popes. And he was mentioning that, um, that Joe Strummer actually turned them on to Cajun music. And they wrote a song about Amity Ardoin French with the Pogues. Uh, they so did? Like, what? Yeah, and it's, you know, it's just full circle. It's like, oh, Joe Strummer. And Joe Strummer's like such a legend, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just goes on and on. And, and just being in music, yeah, you, some of them maybe never even knew about Cajun music, but then, then they do. And then you start playing together and you start finding common thread. Gordon Gano at the Violent Femmes, he ended up at one of our shows in New Orleans and we started playing for a few years after that. But then turned out he's a Gano, which used to be spelled E-A-U. But now it's, you know, G-A-N-O. And, uh, you know, it's just, it always comes full circle somehow. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater, talking with musicians Louis Michaud and Anne Savoy. I wrote something a while back about the Swamp Pop relationship with, like, the English, right? How much they loved it. And what was really fascinating to me was, was that they generally just thought of Louisiana music, you know, as Louisiana music. And when we talked to, I got to interview Elvis Costello, and, or not Elvis Costello, I'm sorry. Um, this is... This is killing me now. Uh, Nick Lowe. I interviewed Nick Lowe. And Nick talked a little bit about, you know, getting this record and hearing Johnny Allen. And they just, they called it all Cajun music, right? And, I, and so it has me curious, sort of, like, you guys find that when you travel and you meet folks, famous or otherwise, I mean, are you up against a perception of what Cajun music ought to be? And, and does that change how you have to perform to them? You know, they come in and say, like, well, this is what I think Cajun music is, so you've got to do it this way. Well, I think it depends on who you're talking to. Like Richard Thompson, for example, and Nick Lowe both wanted, they... Richard Thompson had bought a Hackberry Rambler record when he was a kid, you know, and he started, and they did a song called Cajun Woman, and they were all into that young, and Nick Lowe, he's on Evangeline Made, and he wanted to do that um, Don't Stop the Music, you know, and um, he wanted to do the real thing with Steve Riley. I think he'd run into Steve somewhere, maybe, but I, I don't think they, I think they're smart people for the, uh, John Fogarty, he called me up and said he had my book. He's like, I have your book, Anne. I want to do a song like Irie Lejeune. I mean, this is John Fogarty. You know, it's like, it's crazy how these guys love the real thing. I think that, going back to your question about does it change, you know, does people's idea of what they need to do change when they're around other people, famous people are out of town, I don't know, but I always go back to like Mayus Lafleur, who made the second Cajun recording back in the 20s, and Cleoma, you know, and they're all of a sudden they're out way far from Louisiana in New York and Atlanta and all these people. And Mayus Lafleur was hanging out with Jimmy Rogers. And you gotta think, if you're hanging out with Jimmy Rogers or if like you're in New York, you gotta think, well, I'm gonna do what I gotta do. But at the same time, I want these people to like it. I'm like with these records, so I'm gonna do whatever I can to make my music understandable and, you know, feelable by them, even if it's not in their language. And I think, yeah, I think that, you know, anytime 
an artist is exposed to a greater world around them, they want, they want to be able to connect with that world. And I think it does influence, you know, even if it's just like energetically, it influences their performance and, their, and possibly their writing and creativity. I always actually uh, have, have thought about that a lot, like how much did Cajun music change when these artists had the opportunity to, to record next to these famous bands of the time. That's, that's a good point. And, and the other, the opposite of that too, they'd listen to the radio and hear like a jazz oh, yeah, song, like Cleoma. Definitely. She brought all these jazz songs yeah. into Cajun music in the 30s. Yeah, she was doing what she, what she felt was she liked popular it. and good. Yeah. They, they had to make a living. They didn't just play Cajun music to be authentic. That was the last thing they were doing, you know? They exactly. were trying to make were, some money for their they families. They were being experimental and punk rocker back in the day, and <laughs> that caught on, and we call it traditional now. Yeah. But, you know, it was new. Yeah, and, so, and you've been, you've written about this, right? I mean, you've been compiling and archiving this stuff. And so, so tell us about the second volume that you're working on of your work. And I mean, I'm curious, generally, like, has this experience given you some other insights into the tradition that you didn't previously have? No, because what it is, it's just more of my fanaticism the same. <laughs> it's all, I, I stop at about 1950 with yeah. the artists that are in the book. You know, yeah. it's like I like the old music, so I'm just doing the next people that wouldn't fit into this 500-page book. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the next 500 pages about the older artists. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I'm, like, telling the new story. Oh, it stops what, at 1950 going backwards. Like, yeah, and backwards. Backwards, before. thank okay. you, yeah, yeah, for clarifying that. And, uh... You know, I think that um, the younger people are a lot of educated young people. And these people couldn't read and write, many of them that I'm writing about. So I think I'll tell their story for them. Mm -hmm. And also their experiences are not like anything anybody today would have. And I think that's why I choose the, the older stuff, because their stories are about a time that's gone now and a world that's gone. And that's what intrigues me. Do you feel like having been able to sort of come from a different culture maybe and then experience this has given you a different insight into that history, right? Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. I think that I come in looking at it as a brand new magical fairyland, whereas the people that have lived in it all their lives, many people looked at, that live here, as we all know, look down on Cajun music. It's been very stigmatized hmm. and it still is today. Don't think it isn't. Hmm. And so the ones that, you know, um, it's a rough world out there, and a lot, there was a lot of negativity involved to any connection with Cajunism or the speaking the French language. So you, you find that Cajun music is still stigmatized here? Yes, absolutely. Sure. Um, I mean, I... For example, a lot of people want to pretend like they don't know French, even if they do, or, you know, because it's considered to be less of a high society thing to be Cajun in many, many instances. I mean, everybody knows that around here. They might not admit it, but... Huh. You know, if you you might in Lafayette, it's very cool to be Cajun. You know, and it's and some of the uh, people that are they understand that it's cool to be Cajun now, but was not so ten years ago, 20, 20 years ago. People used to pretend like they couldn't speak French, even if they could. You know. Um, let's take a break from this conversation, go a little bit of a different direction. Um, so this is a segment of the show we call the checklist, and what I have is a random assortment of questions, twenty-five of them. And I'm going to ask each of you to pick a number, and then I'm going to ask you that question. It'll tell us something very revealing. It's very scary. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, so Louis, pick a number between one and twenty-five, and we'll ask you. Thirteen. Thirteen. All right. Um, what's What's the best day you ever had at work? Huh. A lot of good days at work. I love working. So you got a lot to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the best. I mean, I don't know. It's like I really like, I really enjoy working and, and 
you know, sometimes I curse myself for booking too many gigs in one day, but at the same time, I love it. Like we've had a, a few times where we've done like five gigs in 24 hours and just ridiculous amounts of play. And it's some, and even though sometimes you're extremely fatigued, you're like, why are we doing this? And you're just trying to get from, and you're like fifth, fifth gig in 24 hours, you're still doing it and then, and it's just such a, such a, uh, it's such a joy and such a rush, even if you're beating yourself to death by playing too much music. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just so much, so much good, so much ups and downs with playing music is the thing. So you got to really appreciate, you got to really appreciate the, the times because sometimes you can spend 48 hours to get on stage to play for one hour or you can spend a lot more time to get on stage to play for less. So I don't know, a lot of good days at work. <laughs> so you're still good with like loading the van? Man, I couldn't even, I couldn't imagine someone else setting up my stuff unless I needed them to like, hey, I got another gig and I have to rush over. Can you please set up my pedals? But otherwise, yeah, I couldn't imagine like having a roadie or I love loading up the van. Make feel your forehead. <laughs> I do. Yeah, that's good. That's that's honorable. Um, and can you pick a number between one and twenty-five? Four. Four. Okay. Uh, what really drives your work? Oh my gosh, that's a huge question. I'm very, very driven in general in life. I think that I'm fascinated by so many things, and I have so many things I want to accomplish. I think love drives my work. Love and. Um, what I love and getting it out and sharing it. And so that's why I go crazy working all the time. I want to just give everybody everything I know and want to share. That's what drives me. So besides the, the book, I mean, what else are you working on these days? I'm working, well, I just made a lullaby CD and a children, it's a book with uh, all the guitar chords and songs that you can sing along with your baby. And uh, that's our latest project. I'm working on volume two. I'm working on a solo record. And those are the three things I'm making myself finish this year. I've got to finish those, my solo record and my volume two. I mean, how do you, I mean, it just seems like to have that level of productivity, you know, I mean, how, is it just because you're so driven by your love of what you do? Or is it the sense that like, well, I, you know, if I'm not doing this, I'm not, I'm not getting paid. I mean, I don't get paid for anything I do. <laughs> hey, it's a labor of love. Uh, it's totally yeah. labor of love. I mean, I might make a little bit of money, but fortunately I didn't support myself with all of these labors of love. And uh, um, I think just I'm kind of love to be out in the middle of nowhere, meditating, contemplating, doing projects, writing in journals, taking photographs. You know, just that's the person I am. Yeah. I'm not particularly a person that goes out partying. You know, I might go out every now and then, but it's I'm a person who likes to stay home and express myself through whatever I can do. Yeah. So, Louis, you guys, and by you guys, I mean Lost by Ramblers, right? I mean, 20 years, right? 20 years, yeah. And, and I, I think there was a hot minute where you guys were going to take a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah, we took a small hiatus. We yeah. just decided it would be fun to try something different. And it was really just uh, not performing live for five months. And we recorded a, a soundtrack and did, and then two soundtracks actually to our own documentary and to the Lost by You film. So we were plenty busy during the hiatus, but we just wanted to try. Not you know, we had been we had been booking it for a long time, and just let's just try taking a little break. It's funny because the public, of course, we just ha felt like we had to put out a statement too, like, hey, we're not going to be playing for a little bit. But people took it as y'all breaking up, y'all hate each other. Y'all are, uh, are quitting, you know, and whatever, whatever. And then we won the Grammy right after we 
announce the hiatus. And then, so people make other things of that, you know, but really, we just want to take a break. We still did take the break after the Grammy. <laughs> you know, managers, you know, hey, you want to come be on our roster and go tour the world? I mean, not really. We love playing in Acadiana and New Orleans, and we love touring when it makes sense, but we love being home, and we, uh, we're lucky and fortunate to be able to play so much in Louisiana. It's, that's, I think, a lot of the balance of playing traditional music and playing in family bands and having families and being musicians is the ability to have that balance. And, uh, you know, as much as it's tempting to want to give your all to your career and all that, I mean, I've seen so many different musicians with so many different lifestyles. And, you know, I think that Louisiana musicians in particular, whether it be New Orleans music or Cajun Zotico and all that, we're more of, you know, self-makers, self-managers, self-bookers. And we're able, more so than like the pop music scene or the indie music scene, to have a more balanced life and not be like, you have to hit the road to make it and you have to play all these different markets. You know, my, my philosophy is if you want our music that much and you want to get us out there, you know, we'll come play. Otherwise, we love playing Louisiana. Sounds like you feel like you've got a really good work-life balance. I mean, that's, I think that's the goal. And I have, you know, I've been doing it, yeah, like 20 years with this band and a bunch of other bands and, you know, have three children and raised them solely on music for the last eight years while my wife was off and uh you know i was pretty pretty uh pretty proud that she would even consider me you know doing that for eight years while she took a break to raise the children and it worked out you know it's just you got to put yourself in it and jump off the cliff as they say and hopefully you you're able to fly so I mean, and I can imagine this has been the same for, for you and Mark. You guys have been able to raise your family primarily as musicians, right? I mean, and that's yeah. remarkable. I mean, yeah. I don't know that there are a lot of places in the country where you can say, you know, without being some mega famous musician, you're going to earn, and I'm not to say that we're all making a lot of money, but earn money to raise a family. Well, I, I think that my dif- I was in a little bit of a different situation because Mark has built accordions and he has a music store, my husband, Mark Savoy. And so that's basically, that was our income. You know, that was a steady, always, for the past, my whole life, income. And so we toured on weekends, and that was a supplementary. Just as most Cajun, traditionally most of the Cajuns, Louis has the second job, too. I mean, he did, he has other things he does besides playing music, right? I mean... Kind of. Kind of, kind of. And uh, sort of like, uh, it was, a, you know, supplemental, like Dewey Balfour was a bus driver, but he played on the weekends. You know, it's not like Cajun musicians, for the most part, are professional musicians. There are not that many gigs that can support that many professional Cajun musicians. I think of Lost Bayou, Beau Soleil, Steve Riley, Pine Leafs. I mean, there's really not a lot. You can't really live. A, the world won't feed that many people. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You know, yeah. you yeah, gotta I, really bust your butt to do what you did. Yeah. I mean, I know we yeah. never did that. We just did weekends always. Yeah. yeah, and I guess in my head, when and, and I apologize, in my head, I was thinking of you know the, the accordion business as a piece of being able to do this. Obviously, oh, as, in music, absolutely. Music oh yes, everything we do is connected to music. So yeah. yes, in that way, KG Music has totally supported everything we've ever done. True. Sorry, I didn't understand oh, yeah. the question. Yeah, I mean, it's music. It's uh, whether you're like my brother builds accordions and plays music. I have 
multiple other bands. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way to do it, right? Yeah. So, well, uh, the music business is a hustle. It's difficult to find staying power, and that's true of any industry, really. Um, but following the family tradition of music is a way of sticking with what works, roots firmly planted in the ground, passing on a way of preserving and even growing cultural wealth to successive generations. Anne and Louis, it's been great talking with you both. Thanks so much, Christian. It's been fun. Oh, yeah, thanks for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been singer Anne Savoy of the Magnolia Sisters and Savoy Family Band and Louis Michaud of Lost Bayou Ramblers and Nouveau Electric Records. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on KRVS. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Anne and Louis by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website. It's acadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researchers are Ann Christian and Maggie Mendel. Today's show is engineered by Kieran McIntosh. I'm Christian Mader, editor of The Current, Lafayette's community-owned nonprofit newsroom. Thanks for joining me. For more great stories and conversation, check out thecurrentla.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter. I'll see you again here next week around the lunch table for more business, Acadiana style, on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.